This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. I don't know if you know, have had the opportunity to look out the window, uh, but uh, our new children's play area is completed. Sam Strickland, Eagle Scout Project. Thank you so much. Wow. You know, the, the, I love Sam's story. You know, he grew up in the church. And uh, Sam told me, as we were meeting to discuss his uh, Eagle Scout project, he says, you know, when I was a child, I used to play there in the children's play area. And I always thought to myself, the children need to have a nicer play area. All right? And he thought, someday, when I'm in a position to do something about it, I'm going to. And lo and behold... In the position to do something, uh, moving towards his Eagle Scout, had the opportunity to do a project, and there it is. So thank you again. We are so grateful. That is just wonderful. So, what's our mission here at Community Covenant Church? Our mission is to bring Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness to our community, and to our world. Uh, And we are in the middle of a sermon series called Our Church, Our Mission. And last week we spoke about hope. Um, Today we're going to speak about healing. So if you open up your Bibles or your electronic devices, okay, to Mark chapter 2, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 12. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And the heading in my Bible says, Jesus forgives and heals a paralyzed man. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get to him, or to Jesus, because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowering the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, Your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, 
and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. And may God add blessing to the hearing of his word. Amen? Amen. Philip Griffin, in a sermon entitled, A God Who Redeems, tells a story. He says, I saw a sign once that I love, a lost dog sign. There was a big cash reward for whoever found the lost dog, and the description of the dog said these words. He's got only three legs. He's blind in the left eye. He's missing a right ear. His tail has been broken off. He was neutered accidentally by a fence. Ouch. He's almost deaf. And he answers to the name Lucky. (laughs) Now that dog isn't lucky, is he? He's been through a whole lot of mess. But the author remarks, he's lucky not because of what has happened to him, but because he's got an owner who loves him and an owner who wants him back. And that is what redemption is all about. Uh, Maybe you identify with that dog named Lucky. Uh, Maybe you can look at your life And you can think about circumstances. You can think about brokenness that you have uh, experienced. And uh, you you live with that. Um, There is evidence of that that remains in your life. Maybe others see that in you. Uh, And yet, you can call yourself lucky. Why? Because we have a God who loves us. We have a God who loves you. Uh, A God who will stop at nothing to bring you home. That you might be in a right relationship with that God who created you and who loves you. Uh, A God who knows you intimately. Uh, A God who, through His Son, Jesus Christ, identifies with your pain and your weakness and your brokenness. A God who wants to embrace you. A God who is calling you and me home. That's the good news. And you know, when I think about my life, and I think about um, the brokenness uh, that I've experienced, uh, I think about uh, the work of God in my life that continues, uh, His healing touch, and I've experienced it in, in a variety of ways, whether that be physically Um, emotionally, spiritually. uh, I'm so grateful that God has not given up on me. I'm so grateful that God, in my brokenness, loves me, that God is at work in me, that God's work is not finished yet. And I know because He promises that He, God, who began a good work in me, is the God who began a good work in you, and is a God who's going to bring it to completion through His Son, Jesus Christ. Folks, that's great news, isn't it? I mean, we are lucky. 
We're lucky. And yet it seems like uh, when we, we come to church that we want to put on our, our best self, don't we? Uh, when, I was a, when I was a child or a young boy and uh, things were difficult at home, I would retreat into my room and turn on my little black and white TV and I'd watch wrestling, okay? Uh, back in the 60s, uh, that was on quite a bit. And in Los Angeles, there was a very famous announcer, uh, Dick Lane. Maybe those of you that grew up in L.A. would remember him. Uh, he was to wrestling what uh, Vince Scully is to baseball, okay? And I can still remember Dick Lane uh, encouraging people to buy their tickets for the big match that was coming up at Richmond 95171. All right? I can remember that. But when I watched wrestling, I used to enjoy uh, these Mexican wrestlers. They'd wear masks. Okay? And one of my favorite was a man named Mil Mascaras, which literally means man of a thousand masks or faces. And of course, if you've watched any of that, you know that the object is somebody, the opponent, is going to try to rip the mask off the wrestler to reveal his true identity. And the crowd would be cheering and chanting and they'd undo the, 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 the string on the back of the mask and they'd get it halfway off, but somehow the mask would always remain on. Okay? And you go, oh man, maybe next week to take that mask off. Well, you know, when I think about that, I think about church. That sometimes we come to church and we wear our best masks, don't we? We want to cover up our true identity. We don't want people to really know how we're feeling, what we're thinking, what's going on in our life. Heaven forbid, right? If people really knew the extent of my pain or my brokenness or my skepticism or even my disappointment with God. Heaven forbid. And so somehow we, we, we come into a place where Jesus is present and wants to extend His healing hand. He wants to touch our lives. He, he invites us to come to Him as we are. And yet there's this resistance. Yet there is this, this tendency to, to want to wear the mask. And, and every once in a while we... We get into a situation that's so bad that, that it starts to come off. And yet we just can't completely pull it off. And our identity remains a secret. Okay? Can you see the application there? If we are going to be a church that brings hope and healing and wholeness to our community and to our world, that hope and healing and wholeness has to begin with us. And it has to, to start right here. That this could be a place where we could come. This could be a place where we could bring each other to the foot of the cross, into the presence of Jesus. Like the four men in our story with their paralyzed friend. Uh, there's a lot of paralysis in our lives. Uh, there, there are things 
that keep us from a full and robust walk with the Lord. There's hurt. There's pain. There's disappointment. There's struggle. There's strife. There's broken relationship. There's all those things. And yet Jesus says, come. Come. Let me bring my touch into that situation. Let me be your God who heals. Let me be the God who restores. Let me be the God who reconciles. That's, that's the invitation for us. Um, for years, uh, I used to go to, uh, to the local jail or prison and, and would do ministry there. And I would just enjoy it so much. And people would say, well, what do you enjoy about that? I said, you know, there's an authenticity there. Uh, everyone's wearing the, the same color uniform or jumpsuit. Everyone knows they're there for a reason. They kind of can't hide that. And uh, because of that, uh, there, there's a willingness just to be, hey, uh, this, this is real. All right? And uh, what might take months or even years in a local church to, to break down the walls, the barriers, to rip off the mask, to really look at the true identity. Man, I'm telling you, when, when you go and you minister in a jail or a prison, it seems like, man, you get right down to business, okay? Because there's a, a real absence of pretense. And, and I really enjoyed that. And uh, that honesty and that authenticity. And I often thought to myself, man, why do we struggle so much for that in the church? Why do we struggle so much for that in the church? I don't know about you, but for me, uh, my experience has been that oftentimes in Christian community, there's, there's this false narrative that, that somehow we have to come in with everything together. That somehow if we were to share a struggle or a disappointment or a question or a doubt or a fear, if we're honest about where we're at, that somehow that would reflect poorly on us, that we would be less than a man or woman of God than we should be. But you know what? It really is the opposite. God sees us as we really are. And God's calling us to Himself. And we need to be okay with us as we really are. That we could be a healing community. That we could be a place where we carry one another like the four men in our story into the presence of Jesus. You see, Jesus had gone throughout the countryside. He's now in Galilee. And he's performing great miracles. And all those miracles are testifying to the reality of who he is. You see, he's God incarnate. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And he is the king who has come and has established the kingdom of God. And he's established it in the hearts of people, right? Who trust and follow him. And he manifests that kingdom visibly 
in tangible ways in and through people's lives, in and through the lives of those who are his followers. That's you and me. And in our story, he has such a claim that people have gathered and, and they're at this house. Many people believe this is the house of Peter because Capernaum is right there on the edge of the Sea of Galilee. And that house is probably his base of operation. And he's there and he's teaching the Word of God. He's teaching the Gospel of God's Kingdom. And as he's teaching, the crowds are crushing inside and and people can't get to him and, and people are outside and they're trying to listen. And among the crowd are religious leaders. They're scribes. Those who are astute in Jewish law. But then there are five men. One of them paralyzed. He's on a mat. Four of them are his friends. And they've heard about Jesus. And they, they know that, that Jesus can heal their friend. And so they look and there's a crowd. There's, there's a barrier. There's an obstacle. And so these, these men, they, they have to be ingenious. They have to be creative. And they have to, what are we going to do? And so they literally go up the steps on the side of the house onto the, to the roof of the house, which would have several beams, and in between the beams would be thaw and, and thatch, mud, okay? Sometimes underneath that would be with some tile. And they, they literally dug through that, created a space, and lowered their friend into the presence of Jesus. Now, you might think that that might be an interruption, But it wasn't to Jesus. Because in the midst of, of teaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, he stops and is going to make immediate application that is going to verify the truth of what he's saying. Okay? Now, he stops. He recognizes the persistence and the, and the depth of belief of, of those four men that had gone to great lengths to, to bring their friend into Jesus' presence. And, and what does he say? He says, you're healed. Get up and walk. No, he doesn't. What does he say? He says, son, your sins are Forgiven. That's really key to understand this. In, in Jewish faith, it was believed that all illness, sickness, disease was a result of somebody's sin directly or the sin of family or relative or mother or father. Could even be generational. And so, Jesus wants to address first and foremost this person, the man on the mat, what might be his own thought, I'm like this because of sin or because of the sin of my parents or, or there's something that's sinful that's resulted in my paralysis, my, my physical inability to walk. And so if he had that belief, where would Jesus start? With the symptom or the cause? Well, he wants to get right at the cause. Because if he's going to 
invite this man to get up and to walk, the man has to believe that the cause or the reason that he's paralyzed has been removed. And so he wants to remove a barrier to the belief that Jesus can heal him and cause him to walk. And so he starts with the forgiveness of sin. But, you know, that's where he wants to start in all our lives. Because that's the major issue, isn't it? Now, not all illness is a result of sin in our life, okay? However, sin is a disease and it's terminal, isn't it? And, and the good news of the gospel of the kingdom is that we have a God who loves us, that's reconciling us through His Son, Jesus Christ, and brings healing to us spiritually through the shed blood of His Son that we might be forgiven of our sins and, and all that that means to us emotionally or, or physically or, or spiritually, holistically, first and foremost, God wants to deal with the sin problem. Okay? Because sin is paralyzing. It truly is. And so, he says to him, Son, your sins are forgiven. But the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this man think like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? That's the point, isn't it? Because Jesus is God. God incarnate. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit, verse 8, that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? And of course, it's equally impossible for humans, but equally possible for God. That Jesus addresses the cause and the symptom. Okay? And by doing so, this demonstration of get up now and walk, essentially what he's saying is, hey, this is a tangible sign of something that you can't see, but I have the authority to do. And because I've done this, you know I can do this. And of course, no one can do that except God. And that's the point. And so, he comes to this place. He looks at the man. In verse 11, he says, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Now, this is the moment of truth. This is the moment in, in which um, everything's coming to a point. You see, because this man, you can imagine, his friends have lowered him into the presence of Jesus. Jesus looks at him, stops and says, your sins are forgiven. Then Jesus looks and addresses um, the doubts and the thoughts of the scribes, the teachers of the law. And he's witnessing all of this. And, and he, he hears the, the conversation that Jesus is having with the religious leaders. And then Jesus looks at him and says, listen, not only are your sins are forgiven, but he's going to demonstrate that your sins are forgiven by the fact that I'm asking you now to get up, take your mat, and go home. Now, what's the man going to do? Who's he going to believe? It's a moment of truth, isn't it?
And that's the moment of truth in your life and my life. That, that we, we come to this point in our lives and, and we've heard conflicting things about Jesus. Maybe there are doubts about what He can or can't do in our lives. Maybe we've heard teaching that, you know what? Life's hard. You've got to walk through it and in the end, everything's going to be good because you'll be in heaven. And wherever you are, you have to just stay stuck there. Okay? Maybe that's what you've heard. Maybe that's what you believe. And that was the temptation of this man. I'm paralyzed. I'll always be paralyzed. Look at me. Things aren't going to any better than this. Why should I even bother? And yet, what does he do? He acts on what Jesus tells him to do. And he gets up. And he walks. Takes his man under his arm and walks through the crowd. Well, the scripture says that, that the whole crowd were amazed because they'd never seen anything like this. And they were praising God. And you see, there's, there's three things that are happening here. One is that God is getting glorified. Two, okay, two is that Jesus and His identity and His authority are being testified to. Who He really is. God's being glorified. Okay? The identity of Jesus and the veracity, the truthfulness of His message is being testified to. And the third thing is that Jesus claimed about the kingdom because the kingdom of God comes in authority. And in the kingdom of God, there is healing and there's wholeness and there's reconciliation. And so the people are getting a glimpse of, they're getting a taste of the kingdom that Jesus has come to establish and will someday be experienced in its fullness. So all these things are happening here. All of them. And these four men, they... They were willing to face the present with hope for the future. They believed and had hope for their friend, even in his present difficulty. And ultimately, he had that same hope. And they knew that the, that, that the resource of faith was greater than the barriers of unbelief. Okay? And they truly are. And they were able to carry that man when he couldn't carry himself. And what a beautiful picture of, of, of healing that takes place in community when you and I carry each other when we can't carry ourselves. And we bring one another, even in the midst of our own doubt and our own brokenness, we bring one another into the presence of our Savior who wants to touch us, who wants to make a difference in our lives. And then finally, they knew the ultimate answer and that was to bring their friend into the presence of Jesus. And that is the ultimate answer for each of us, isn't it? You know, as we look at bringing hope, healing, and wholeness to our community and to our world, we want to begin here. And, and you know, how do we bring people into the presence of Jesus? Well, an important way, in a way that we all can be involved in, is, is to begin with just prayer, isn't it? Do you know that prayer can go where the feet and the body cannot? 
Do you know that through prayer, uh, we can bring someone to the Lord? And that our prayers make a difference, and, and our prayers are a part of God's plan to move in one another's lives. And so, we want to begin by, by focusing on prayer. That, that that's a priority in our church. That's, that's why we have so many opportunities for prayer in our church. There is literally a movement of prayer going on right now in our church. If you haven't heard about it, you will. But you're invited to be a part of it. You, you know, there's a prayer wall. And that's a priority right there in the, in the welcome area that when people come in to this worship center, they walk by that wall and they know that prayer is a priority and that you can be prayed for or you can stop and pray for somebody on that wall. And when you do that, it's like picking up somebody and bringing them and setting them down right into the presence of Jesus. We have intercessory prayer in our church. Uh, this morning in the back, we have Ken and Marjo, and they're there. And they're ready to pray with you. When you go there, you're going knowing that people are going to pray and through their prayers bring you into the presence of Jesus. We have healing prayer in our church. If you don't know about that, there's a class on Wednesday evening. It's wonderful. Uh, Heather Smith and Ed Carlson lead that. It's, it's gathering with someone who wants to, to, to meet with you and just pray with you and really discern the areas of your life that maybe God wants to touch and bring healing to. And that's available in our church. All those things are present here because we believe that when we bring people into the presence of Jesus, Jesus changes and transforms lives. Jesus can bring healing in broken areas of our lives. And so we as a church, we want to bring Christ's hope and His healing into one another's lives and into the lives of our community and our world. But it's got to start here. And it's got to start with people that are willing to take the mask off and say, here I am. And in that, each of us is a part of leading the other to the only place that ultimately makes a difference. And that's the foot of the cross. That's in the presence of Jesus. Chris Mitchell. Come on up, Chris. Chris is our middle school director, and I've asked him to share a testimony about the difference that prayer has made in his life, and particularly the ministry of prayer in our church. Chris, would you share with us? Hi. Um, here, I'm going to... I have notes, sorry, because I need them when I talk in front of people. Um, so, uh, Pastor Todd, I shared this with him earlier this week, and I, I've been praying for a while about like whether or not to share it, uh, share this story, because sometimes whenever you tell stories about God, you kind of worry that God gets lost in them a little bit, and you just kind of hear about the person. And, uh, but, you know, after sharing, I just kind of felt like this was something that maybe I should share, and Pastor Todd agreed with me, and he said, well, what about when I preach about healing prayer? So, um, uh, last winter, um, I started hearing about the healing prayer ministry at the church, and I thought, I should go check that out, because I'm, I'm on staff here. I work with the middle schoolers, and... Uh, 
I think it's important to participate in things that are going on, even if you don't exactly understand it or know it about it. So I signed up. Um, there, was, there were no burning issues that I had, anything I was like really working on or trying to deal with. I, I just wanted to know more. And then the day before my, my appointment, somebody friended me on Facebook. Um, now, this was somebody I hadn't seen in almost 25 years. Uh, and honestly, she wasn't somebody I really ever wanted to hear from again. Uh, it wasn't, yeah, well, you'll, you'll hear about it. Anyways, so when I was 13 or 14, you know, years get fuzzy, uh, for kind of some complicated reasons that are a whole other story, uh, my father decided to leave uh, my sister and I um, in, with this family in, uh, in this uh, village, uh, Ta'an village, a small Tlingit village um, right outside of uh, Whitehorse, Yukon. And he didn't really know this family well. Uh, it was somebody he, it was the family of somebody that he had met, so it wasn't even the person he'd met, it was their family. But, um, and so he, he ended up uh, sending us off with them. And he committed to give them, you know, some monthly money to take care of my sister and I. And, you know, for a little while, things were okay. It was for the first month or so. Um, but then that, that money started causing difficulties with the family. The, uh, the mother of the family, she started to hear, uh, I, don't know, I think she started being teased a little bit around the village um, about uh, taking care of us and you know, finding a rich white guy to take care of the family. Um, and, and she started drinking again, which was a problem that she had. Uh, before, but she'd been sober for a couple years. Um, and, and this one particular time, she, she got drunk. Uh, not, not just a little drunk, but just blind, raging drunk. And that night, uh, I was asleep in the basement, which is where um, my bed was. I, I slept in the basement, and I heard this screaming and this yelling, and so I, I ran upstairs, and this mother was grabbing, was in her daughter's bedrooms, and uh, there were three daughters there, and then my sister. And um, she was grabbing them by the hair and pulling them out of their beds and yelling at them. And so, being the oldest one, and I, I, you know, I ran in, I kind of like tried to hold her back and tackle them, and I started yelling at them to run to their grandmother's house, and uh, my sister's with them, you know, we're, go, go. And... You know, the next few events are a blur. I, I, you know, because sometimes when those experiences happen, you just don't exactly remember how did everything happen. But somehow I was chased back down to the basement. And um, there was a wood-fired furnace there. And uh, because the place was heated by wood. And there, there's an axe and a bow saw and stuff. Um, and a, so a bow saw is a saw. It's kind of shaped like a bow. Um, so it was about this big. And so she grabbed that saw, and she started wailing on me with it and slicing at me. And you know, she'd back me in the corner, and, and she just started just, just beating on me with the saw. With the, with, and and I, I was just covered up you know, in the corner. And uh, 
you know, it, it was probably for a minute or two, it, but like I said, it, you know, these types of things, it felt like forever. It felt like a really long time. It probably wasn't that long, but it felt like forever. And then uh, eventually she, uh, she threw the saw and then she staggered upstairs and honestly I don't know what happened. I was probably, cr I was just crying and a mess. And uh, so one of those little girls um, friended me on Facebook, one of uh, his mother's daughters. And uh, you know, a, a testimony is a story about God and what God's done and who God is. And so you might be thinking, like, well, where's, where's God in the story? Um, because that's something that sometimes I wonder. Um, this is one of those memories that, that I have uh, that's kind of like shoved in a big sack of stuff of you know, bad memories before I knew Jesus. Um, so it, it's those things that you're kind of like, oh, I was saved from. I don't need to ever go back there. I don't need to think about those. Um, they're memories of dark times um, before, I, before I was brought to the light, before I knew Jesus. Uh, I'd never really thought about them as places where God was at work in my life, um, where, where God was with me. And so uh, the day of my healing prayer appointment, you know, that mother's daughter sent me a friend request and request, and all those bad memories just come you know, spilling out. Uh, so I, I, was, I was a mess that day. I was a mess. Uh, I was mean to my wife and my kids. And so, and, you know, not for a reason, right? Because I just feel bad and just want to spread the love around, I guess. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and... Uh, but the next day, I, I had a healing prayer appointment. And so I, I just started talking. Now, um, I, I believe that before we know Christ, he knows us, right? And while we're lost, he's still looking for us. He's looking out for us. And even in the darkest places of our lives, right? Even in the midst of bad memories and bad choices and evil, God's at work. Um, and he's working to redeem. So, I'm with this question of, well, where was God? Where was God in this experience? What was God doing at that moment? Uh, I, I, don't have an, I didn't have an answer to. And so, um, I met with uh, Heather Smith and Sandy Gold and we're praying and all this stuff is coming up and you know and we asked God where were you what was going on and uh, you know there are a lot of tears and stuff and uh, as we were praying you know the answer just really came up he was right there um, right in the middle um, you know when uh that lady, uh, that mother, and she was attacking me and, and, and slashing at me with that saw. There was Christ right in front of me, taking those things that were meant to hurt me, right? taking those cuts, putting his body before mine. And really, I should have been torn up. But 
you know, like other, I got, I did get cut a little bit. I got some superficial cuts on my sides and my back, but it should have been worse. And uh, and so in prayer, I discovered that this big bad bag of pain, right, and hurt that I was carrying around. It's not just something I was saved from. It's a, it's a story of a God who's always there. Even in that big, bad time and place. At work, loving, and trying to bring out good. Um, now, I, I don't have a lot of answers. There, there are other parts of my story, other, other things that I, 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 I'm just still working on. I don't know where God is. But for this story, for this particular one, the one that came up out of nowhere and was trying to hurt me. So God, through prayer, healed. So this is, the story is supposed to be a tragedy, Right? But it's not. God doesn't let it be a tragedy. It's a love story. And our lives, all those places, right, that are supposed to be tragedies, they're not tragedies. They're love stories. Um, so that's my little testimony of healing prayer. <laughs> As the worship team comes up, um, boy, Chris, thank you. Uh, we're lucky, aren't we? We're like that dog, all right? We, we've been through a lot, and yet we have a God who loves us. Uh, we have a God who uh, is our healer. And this morning, I want to invite you, um, for whatever reason, if there's something that you'd like prayer for, if, if, if you need someone to carry you into the presence of Jesus, wow, we have intercessors. Uh, we have our prayer wall. Uh, we have healing prayer available. Um, God loves you. God cares for each of us. And His healing our lives is a part of that love story uh, that Chris talks about. Father, we thank you so much that you've called us in community in our brokenness to be transparent and open to one another so that, that in love, the love that Christ has poured out into our lives, we might carry one another to the foot of the cross to that place of ultimate healing for the assurance, Lord, that we have forgiveness of sin but so much more. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, which is poured onto our life, you, you do an ongoing work of healing and bringing wholeness into our lives. Father, help us, first and foremost, as a church, to be a place, Father, where we invite and welcome your healing touch. But then out of that, an overflow that, that we, Lord, would share that in our community and in our world. Father, thank you. Thank you that you love us. 
Thank you that you invite us into relationship with you. Thank you, Lord, that you are our healer. We celebrate that today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.